Welcome back to the TGI Podcast. I'm your host, Matt, and welcome officially to Christmas week. It is so hard to believe we're already here, but the big guy in red, he's going to be sliding down the chimney in no time. I hope you've enjoyed our episodes so far this month, including last week's episode covering the Wonder Years. Uh, Also, our special All I Want for Christmas bonus episode that dropped a couple weeks back. So it's been a very fun month, but it's also sad that we're getting so close to the end. Uh, But hopefully you're able to enjoy the holiday season by kicking back and doing a little bit of relaxing. As for this week, we're covering a sitcom we have not covered yet on the podcast in Third Rock from the Sun. Now, on to the show. This week from Third Rock from the Sun is from the show's second season, episode 12, titled Jolly Old St. Dick. This episode debuted on December 15th of 1996 on NBC. Third Rock from the Sun, it debuted on January 9th of 1996, and it ran for six seasons through May 22nd of 2001. For those of you who don't know the show, it revolved around four aliens who traveled to Earth, the third rock from the sun, to study the human race all while posing as humans. The show was created by Bonnie Turner and Terry Turner, who are also known for creating that 70s show, and that is very, very evident when watching episodes of both shows. They are similar stylistically, complete with the musical interludes and bumpers played between uh, certain scenes. Honestly, I didn't know that until I started watching Third Rock from the Sun, and I was like, man, this seems a lot like that 70s show. Then I ended up looking it up, sure enough, created by the same people. But the show, it starred John Lithgow as Dick Solomon, Kristen Johnson as Sally Solomon, French Stewart as Harry Solomon, Joseph Gordon-Levitt as Tommy Solomon, and Jane Curtin as Mary Albright. This episode also featured Simbi Kali as Nina and Elmarie Wendell as Mrs. Dubjack. As for my own history, this is a show I certainly remember watching, but never really got into it. Um, as far as like other shows, there's definitely a lot of other shows that piqued my interest during this era, so I still think I was a tad bit too young overall for this type of show when it debuted. Uh, it's a show that... I- Actually, a couple months back, I started watching a few episodes here or there, and that's what led to me wanting to do this episode. All four of the main characters are great, but John Lithgow, my god, he is good in this. He is so, so good. He's such a talented comedic actor, and he was nominated each year of the show for Outstanding Lead Actor in a Comedy Series at the Primetime Emmy Awards. He walked away with three victories. John Lithgow is so good. He's so good in the show. He's so good on the comedic side. For those of you who are fans of Dexter, when he was able to be on a dramatic role in a much different character than you're ever really used to seeing, he was also phenomenal in that. But I think this show is worth it alone to watch for the way that John Lithgow plays this character is simply amazing, simply hilarious. 
But when, uh, again, going back to the That 70s Show connection, when I first started watching this, I, I kept seeing the structure being similar. And when I found out it was created by the same people, again, it made so much sense. That 70s Show, it's one of my favorite comedies of all time. I've seen every episode, despite the fact that the later seasons got pretty bad, uh, especially after Eric left and Kelso was kind of in and out towards the end. But I'm sure we'll touch on an episode of two of, of that in the future because that 70s show did have some a couple solid Christmas episodes. As for this particular episode, the very brief synopsis, it goes like this. The Solomons experienced their first Christmas on Earth. Pretty straightforward. I mean, uh, I, I love when we have very succinct uh, uh, synopsis for an episode because sometimes I think you could give absolutely everything away in a synopsis, but that one's pretty spot on. Uh, if you like any sort of fish out of water story, Third Rock from the Sun is definitely the show for you because that's what builds into the humor of this show is the whole fish out of water type scenario. The episode itself opens up with Tommy's girlfriend, August, telling him that she has the perfect present for him. Tommy, of course, never experienced Christmas. He has no idea what she'd get him a present for before she explains it's Christmas and he starts playing it off like he has a gift for her but it's clearly obvious that not only doesn't not only does he not have a gift for her he also has no idea what she's talking about in terms of what Christmas is now in the next scene we see Dick and their landlord Mrs. Dubchek plugging in the Christmas decorations and Dick is over the moon with how they look and honestly I'm kind of the same way to be <laughs> to be very uh, forthright here. When I get to turn on the lights for the first time, I'm also very excited. But Dick is super excited to get to plug these in and see the result. Then right after that, we have Harry. He runs up the stairs with a very Charlie Brown looking tree. Super excited. Tommy, he's not impressed at all. And he fails to understand why Harry brought a stick into the house. Dick, he isn't happy. And he wishes they had a big giant tree before Sally reveals that her and Harry have gotten jobs at the mall. Which, another classic sitcom trope that we get in a lot of these shows. They, whoever ends up working at the mall. We saw it in a Saved by the Bell Christmas episode where they, you know, a bunch of them start working at the mall. Which is an episode I'd like to do sometime in the future. We saw it in the Blossom episode that we covered during our Christmas in July where the dad, he ended up working at the mall to make a little extra money. So it's something that happens a lot, but I always find it funny. And it's a great way to sort of interject uh, the livelihood of Christmas into an episode. Sally, she's taking a job as a gift wrapper. And Harry explains he is now the executive assistant to Santa Claus, otherwise known as an elf. And Dick, he's getting excited, and he realizes that f the four of them have nearly been on the planet for about a year, and he's very excited about that fact, and he now suddenly feels very human. And this is a big step for them, for this group that's still trying to learn the nuance of being a human being. The four of them then hug, they crush the Charlie Brown tree, and we head into the show's opening theme song. When we get back to the episode, Dick is in his office at the university where he works, and they rush in to have him select the name out of a fishbowl for Secret Santa. Considering he doesn't understand the concept, Dick starts pulling out a piece of paper, reads the name, 
explains that he doesn't know who they are. So he grabs another piece back and forth. And they try to explain that that's not how the game works. So before he chooses another name, he then stares, or after he chooses another name, he then stares directly at Judith, who's the woman who's holding the ball, making it very, very obvious that he chose her (laughs) for Secret Santa. And she desperately asks to let him choose again. But Dick, he sort of giggles a little bit, and he puts a piece of paper in his mouth. Honestly, I'm not doing this scene justice at all. If you have the ability to watch this episode, it is worth it alone for this 20-second or so clip. John Lithgow is fantastic. When he gets, when he's given the ability to be outrageous, the man does outrageous so well. And it just he's just so perfect for this role. I couldn't imagine another person playing it the way that he does. But in the next scene, we're at the mall. And at this point, Harry has fully embraced his role as an elf. And we get a little uh, proclamation from him explaining how Santa is great for anyone from ages 1 to 92. But then he has a caveat that anyone older than 16 shouldn't sit on Santa's lap. And the camera zooms out. Zooms out a little bit with Dick standing there among all these children, and he just goes, Damn! It literally made me laugh that I had to go back and rewatch it because it was so funny. It, again, it just, it's such a simple throwaway joke, but it's very funny, very clever, and it's so Dick. It's such that character because he doesn't understand this. He doesn't know that Santa Claus is only for children. And again, it just makes it so perfect. When we move on, we get to see Sally. She's fully embracing her role as a gift wrapper. Before we see Dick, who's wandering around the mall, he sees a woman ringing a bell for charity. And when he realizes she says Merry Christmas every time someone puts money in the container, he starts doing it over and over. And then very exasperated, he just shouts, She's coin-operated! So again, it's just this fish-out-of-water scenario that works so well that's very funny in this show. The next scene... We've got Tommy, he's sitting on Santa's lap, and he's explaining the conundrum he's in with August. And he's saying uh, she got him the perfect present, and he has nothing for her. And Santa explains, he doesn't know August, you know, I, I don't know what you should get her because I don't know her. And Tommy starts saying, well, aren't you supposed to have a list? Shouldn't you know these things? And Santa, he's getting fed up because Tommy's taking too much time. And he basically just tells him, you know what you need to do? You need to spend some cold, hard cash. And then he tells Tommy he needs to get his hair cut because he looks like a girl. Which, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, he's got some great locks in this show. I know he eventually cuts it, but kid's got some good flow back in 1996. We go back, we're at Dick's office, and we've learned he's gone overboard with Judas' gift. Unsurprising here that he he's getting very excited. And Nina and Mary explain there was a $20 limit. But Dick says he went over by about $120. First thing I thought of in this was immediately thought of was the episode of The Office. I believe it's second season. It's their first Christmas episode where Michael goes overboard with Secret Santa and he buys Ryan a video iPod. That's exactly what I thought here with Dick. Although his isn't quite as malicious as Michael's ends up being. But the the way that Dick does it is literally because he's so excited for the holidays and he's so excited to give someone a gift. Now the next scene it features some of the shoppers getting aggressive 
with Sally at the gift wrapping station, and she's starting to get frustrated after believing that Christmas was going to be completely wholesome. And this is where we start to see the tide shift a little bit in this episode. Everybody's very excited, uh, except for Tommy, really. But the other three are very excited for the holiday. They, they, they're they excited to experience something new, and there's such great traditions that go along with the holiday. But we see it here where it's starting to kind of take a toll on them a little bit. So after this scenario with Sally, we shift over to Santa, and Harry announces to the kids that the big man is taking a quick break. And when we go into a break room with Santa, Harry starts freaking out. Because he realizes the guy he's been dealing with all day has fake hair, fake beard. So essentially Harry has been thinking this whole time, this is the true, the one, number one Santa Claus is this guy right here. But when he notices him take his hair and beard off, Harry just screams, no! In that great French Stewart sort of way. Nobody nobody could do that form of like crazy weird quite like French Stewart. And it's very funny. But we go to a commercial break. We come back. And, and Dick is now singing O Tannenbaum while he's walking through uh, someone's front yard. And he looks up at this massive tree. And he's like, no, this is a Christmas tree. And he fires up a chainsaw that he has with him. The owner comes out of this house and he's like, what are you doing? You can't cut my tree down. Then the cops show up. So awesome police response here. I mean, they must have been driving by to be able to notice Dick pulling out a uh, chainsaw in this moment. I mean, they were on the spot. Good for them. But the scene sort of came out of nowhere considering we didn't really get a scene with Dick saying he needed to get the biggest tree he could find. Like, we had him mention early on in the episode when Harry brought in the Charlie Brown-looking tree. But, so that seemed a little out of place, but it was still just such a crazy, stupid Dick scene that it really made me laugh. As we move on, the next scene, we have the four Solomons. They're all sitting up on the roof. Like, we see them do a lot in this show. They sort of go up there and look off into the sky, and it's their part to, it's... They're a place to be a little reflective. And I first have to note how amazing the decorations are. I mean, it looks like they're living in a Griswold-like decorated house, complete with blow-up molds on the roof with them, which is something you know we've talked about a lot on the podcast, especially in that episode with Tom from Tis the Podcast. We talked about blow molds in the King of Queens episode. I love them. So I was very jealous to see all of these awesome blow molds on this roof. But this is where we find out Dick is upset with what he believes to be the idea of Christmas. So he was fined $900 for trying to cut down that tree and they confiscated his chainsaw. So in his mind, he he's thinking that all of these things are, are normal. The fact that you're going to have a big giant tree, that you just go get a big giant tree. There shouldn't be sort of restrictions on this. But... Dick is now being a little more jaded towards the holiday. So again, we see another character starting to lose the joy that he had at the beginning. And then we get all four of them complaining about all that is going on around them and that they are promised that this time of year was supposed to be magical. And then at this point, we hear some carolers who are down below singing. And you may think this would be the moment that they change their mind. Maybe this is their 
their Charlie Brown type moment where they realize this is what Christmas is all about. But after they sit there for a second or two, Dick stands up, rips one of the blow molds off the roof, and he chucks it at the group of carolers before he also starts throwing more plastic reindeer at them. (laughs) A great, like, blow up, (laughs) no pun intended, but blow up sort of scene with Dick here being completely upset about the situation. Then the other three, they just sort of stare in shock at him before we head to another break. Now we're at Dick's classroom at the university. And he first gets thrown off now by Christmas cookies that are being passed around. And he has become so disillusioned with the idea of Christmas, he starts throwing the cookies around the room, and he tells the class that they need to write a 15-page dissertation that needs to be turned in by 6 o'clock that night. And some of the students complain about it being December 23rd, and this is one of those classic tropes again a holiday show or movie type trope and like I know when I was in school particularly in college I'd already been on a break for at least at least a week by the time the 23rd rolled around and that immediately made me think of the in Frosty the Snowman when they're still in school and it's just a day or so ahead of Christmas and it felt very similar to that that you're just a couple days out you're being assigned homework all this stuff but that's also a good reminder for any of you Go over to Totally Rad Christmas, listen to their episode on Frosty the Snowman, where I was lucky to be a guest. Also, Mike from the Advent Calendar House uh, podcast, we joined Jerry D to talk about Frosty. It was a lot of fun. I think it's a good listen. Go give it a listen if you have not already, or if you love Frosty the Snowman. And if you haven't listened to Totally Rad Christmas or Advent Calendar House podcast, go do that. Both those guys, Jerry, Mike, they're great, great stuff that they have. If you need more Christmas feels, definitely go and do that. As we head back to the mall, Sally, she's still struggling with her Christmas spirit before Tommy shows up, and he's got numerous gifts for August. And this is where we find out that Tommy has Dick's credit card, and he's been hiding it in a giant (laughs) jar of pennies in his room. So he's been buying August all of these random expensive things, Because he has no idea what the perfect gift is. And then we quickly jump over to Harry, who is having his own crisis now after learning the truth about Santa. And he confronts a Santa that heads into the bar he's at uh, before many more Santas show up. And he runs off screaming because he's being confronted by 10, 20 different off-the-clock Santa Clauses. (laughs) And in typical Harry fashion, he's just freaking out. Back in Dick's office, Nina and Mary, they're trying to set the mood with some eggnog. Mary made some of her famous rum balls, and Christmas music is playing. But then Dick, he comes in, and he turns off the music, and he says there's work to be done, and they can't be bothered by the holiday. And now we jump back. So this is where the episode gets a little sporadic, but I do think it works. But they're jumping around a lot here towards the end of this episode, trying to hit all these different little beats but we go back to the mall and Sally she starts criticizing the gifts now that customers are bringing in and she's like oh your wife doesn't want this she would rather have this so she grabs another gift a more expensive gift a ring or earrings or something and starts giving those away and then she starts getting more excited because she's learning how exciting and how rewarding it could be to give other people gifts even though (laughs) Very unethical on her part to just start handing out random gifts that other people paid for, but that's beyond the point here. 
We go back, we're at Dick's office, and he's being a bit of a Scrooge before Nina gives him a gift. And he's like, oh, so you were my secret Santa. And she's like, no, uh, I just wanted to get you a gift because I love Christmas so much. And Dick starts to have a change of heart here. We, we get to see his heart grow two sizes too big. And he starts getting more excited and understanding the season a little more. And he tells Nina, he's like, you know what? How about you go ahead and go to that Christmas party instead of hanging out here? Mary comes in. He explains to Mary he wants to be a part of Christmas again, but she's not buying it until a handful of students, they come in. They're like, we've got our, we've got our papers, Mr. Solomon. He looks at them, tosses them up in the air, and he says, I'm not even going to look at them, and you're all going to get C's. To which the three or four of them rejoice with excitement. And I gotta be honest here. I would not have been that forgiving as a student, right? I mean, if I just rushed to do a 15-page dissertation two days before Christmas, making my life a little harder right before the break, I wouldn't be so excited about getting a C. But these kids, they're super excited. Although, I guess on the grand scheme of things, some of these kids in, in Dick's class aren't the brightest of the bunch, so I guess a C is good enough for them. But that's where we're at in this moment. And then after this, we get our Linus moment, our Scrooge moment, where Dick, he finally realizes the importance of the season and how special it truly is. So with a slightly tipsy Mary, they start to make their way to the company party. And as they stop underneath the mistletoe, she plants a big old kiss on Dick who's ultimately very confused because the whole idea of mistletoe makes no sense to him at all. He keeps thinking something's growing out of the woodwork throughout this episode, but he just got to smooch his favorite crush. He does, he has, Dick doesn't have a care in the world at this point, and then they start to make out before we jump to the end of this episode where we're back at the Solomon residence. Dick is reflecting on the day before Mary, Nina... Mrs. Dubchek, some of the Santas from the mall, Tommy and August, are all cha-chaing their way through the living room. Hmm. Well, I don't know how the real Santa's gonna slide down this thing. <laughs> but he will. Oh, what a lovely way to mark our first anniversary on Earth. Our first anniversary as humans. Do you think we'll ever really know everything there is to know about being human? Silent Close out the episode with August giving Tommy a gift, which ends up being something that looks kind of like a doorstop with a picture of the two of them on it, which she claims she made herself. And then Tommy starts laughing and bragging about how the gifts he got her are so much better. And then the episode ends. And that is Jolly Old St. Dick from Season 2 of Third Rock from the Sun. As always... We like to determine on this podcast if an episode should be deemed a holiday classic, and for this one, I'm giving it a... You got it, dude! I honestly feel like this is a bit of a hidden gem of an episode. Uh, what I like about it so much is it runs through the entire gambit very quickly, 
We see all four of them getting excited about the idea of the holidays. Uh, I mean, I guess Tommy kind of isn't excited really throughout this episode. He he is uh, a little labored from the get-go. But we see them go through this sequence. We see them get excited about the holidays and everything that comes with it. We then see them get frustrated with people, shopping, all these different things, crowds, all of that. Uh, before we get that great change of heart from Dick at the end, what ties it all together for me is that John Lithgow plays the innocence of someone finding out about Christmas so, so well. And and then when he ends up having that Linus moment, he reverts back to that same attitude. I think it's John Lithgow's ability to play the innocence of someone learning all of these things in this world like a child is what makes him so good in this episode. And I know... I've been waxing poetic about him throughout this episode, but I do think he's that good as this character. And I don't think a lot of people could play the role the way that he did because you buy into him almost being a child, learning these things, then he gets frustrated, and then we get the change of heart. And uh, it just works so well. Uh, This is also, as I mentioned, a very boom, boom, boom kind of episode. It moves very quickly. Uh, but since they're trying to juggle four storylines at once, uh, I understand it. it I, I think the episode would be lessened if it was only Dick uh, being a primary character, or only Tommy. The fact that they could incorporate storylines for all of them is what makes this work so very well. I feel like even if you weren't a big fan of this show or you haven't seen much of it in the past... As long as you know the premise of them being aliens sent to Earth to understand the human race, I, I think you'd find this episode very enjoyable. The decorations, as I mentioned earlier, so, so spot on throughout all of this. So I, I highly recommend giving this a watch, even if you haven't watched the show in years, even if you've never watched the show. I think it's a very fun, quick 22 minutes, gives you some feels, all of that. It works so well. As I mentioned earlier, it's so hard to believe we're just a few days away from Christmas, the day that this episode drops. It it, it makes no sense. The season always goes by so quickly, but I hope you're able to surround yourself with loved ones and truly embrace the season and everything that comes with it. As always, please be sure to check us out on social media by searching for TGI Podcasts on Instagram and Facebook. And I would also love it if you would leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That helps out a ton. Uh... And that wraps up this week's episode, and I hope you all have a very Merry Christmas. Talk to you all very soon. The TGI Podcast is written, produced, and hosted by me, Matt Yurick. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Yurick, and be sure to rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.